here with my co-host Eddie Aparicio, and this is Points on the Board. And first of all, let's take care of a little business here. This podcast, Points on the Board, you can see at grumblingsmedia.com, along with Big Questions with Big John, our interview show in his current Libertarian Presidential Interview Series. You can also see my other podcast, Fired Up, which is my political conservative podcast dealing with national and California politics. And then there's our new Red, White, and Rue. That's our pop culture entertainment podcast. And you can see us also on Rumble and Yahoo under the profile Grumblings Media. And for you traditional listeners who don't want to look at these beautiful, beautiful Latino mugs, huh, Eddie? You can listen to us at Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. Mr. Aparicio, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, Guillermo. How you doing, man? It's been a while, man. It's, uh, uh, you know, we just uh, finished having uh, Thanksgiving and still recovering from it. And uh, but I'm back in the swing of things and looking forward to doing another another podcast with you. You know, it, it, we've had a great holiday season. As I've been saying the last couple of weeks, my, my my dog passed, so that was a little sad. But it's a holiday season. You know, yeah. we're starting to see new uh, personality traits from the other lab. Uh, that's our family. So so we kind of like we're at the age we stay in a lot. But but we plan on uh, uh, hitting the Christmas party scene. My wife's already been to one. Uh, she's oh, had right one. On. So, so, yeah, you know, same old, same old, I guess, is what you could say about it. But, uh, oh. And I've been enjoying my sancoche. I make a big pot. I freeze it. Just had some yesterday. I'll be doing some more cooking. I, I do enjoy cooking uh, at my age. It's it's very relaxing and very, what do you call it, when uh, you're very happy at what you do. Uh, fulfilling. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, yeah. What about you? Any plans for the holiday season? Hey, hey, hold so, on. Your daughter's still home, right? Yeah, yeah. My daughter is, well, not home yet. I mean, she's still at school, but she'll be going on break in two weeks. Oh, she's in college already? No, no, no. She's in high school. She's uh, applying for colleges. She already finished applying to the state as well as the UC schools. And now she's going to do the private schools uh, by January. So she's been really... But that's my question. Yeah. This is your last Christmas, brother. My last Christmas. Yes, my last Christmas as a family with her. Yeah, you're right, because she'll be gone next... Man, that's crazy. Well, she'll come home, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far, <laughs> as far as being full time under our roof, yes, I agree. That's how it goes, brother. That is how it goes at times. Well, look, we've got a busy show ahead of us, my friends. What we are going to talk about tonight is how dominant are the 49ers? We're also going to talk about what their weak uh, uh, spot is. We're also going to mention, and we're finally going to get into some Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani. Is that correct there, Mr. Aparicio? That is it. That's how you say it. We're going to talk about his free agency and how many big ones this guy's going to earn. And my issue with this contract, he's actually, to me, arguably the only player in my 30 years of watching who deserves this overblown money these players get paid because he's doing something no other player has ever done since Babe the Babe. You know, since the Baby Ruth candy bar was invented. I'm sure you know that, but you do know that candy bar was named after him. Absolutely. Yep, I knew that. Yeah. And we're going to talk about uh, 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 the MVP race. Uh, Eddie's going to talk about that. We're, I'm going to grill him on that, who the leaders are, what he thinks. He's going to give us his typical fantasy football waiver wire. We're probably coming to the end of that in the next couple of weeks. But yep. 
Eddie tells you who to pick up, you grabbing people. And from there, we'll close the show out. So what do you think, Eddie? Sounds good. Let's get let's get going. All right, brother. Let's get two of them. On top are the San Francisco 49ers. That's my I've team. Telling, that's right. I've been telling Eddie since 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 maybe the second week we started doing this podcast, maybe even the first. Uh, I'm sorry, after their injuries happened. And I said, Eddie, what I see is a team when they have their, their key players, they can beat anybody. They can dominate anybody. But when they don't have those players, it's a different story. Uh, uh, and, and I'm going to toot my horn because Eddie's done the same thing in the past. But he texts me. See, they're talking about what I said already. Uh, I've been talking about this for weeks. This week, after the Eagles beat down, now the national media is talking about their dominance. And, they're kinda, and, and a couple of the articles have said pretty much what I said. They stay healthy. It's going to be next impossible to beat them. Uh, uh, Eddie, some numbers from that Eagles game. The Eagles finished with 46 yards rushing uh, against the Niners for the fewest yards rushing in a game since they had 34 in a loss to Dallas in 2018. So that was quite a setback from what the Eagles were then to where they become. And to get kicked back out uh, to three years uh, three years past when they were, weren't as good as they are now. The Niners are 84 and 29 against the two best teams in the NFC East, the Eagles. As far as scoring wise. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about scoring. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Debo Samuel. Oh, I'm not going to get that. That's next-gen stats. I don't want to lose the people. But let's put it this way. There was one play where Debo Samuel had 0.1% chance of scoring. Next thing you know, he's got a 48-yard TD. That's my, and my point in saying that is they make the uber difficult, the play that it, that, that is as close to impossible as possible they make it. They make it happen. Uh, 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 uh. And I got other data we're going to talk about. But Eddie, based on what I said, what do you want to add to that? What are your thoughts? And what are your thoughts when you saw that Eagles game? We haven't had a chance to talk about that Eagles game. Eagles game at all. So and I, this was I, I in saw, Philadelphia. This was in Philadelphia. I saw this being a beatdown. I honestly tell you that, and I have text to prove it because friends of mine were asking, "Hey, what do you think is going to happen?" I'm like, you know what? I think they're going to beat them down. They are just motivated to to show that what happened last year to them was a fluke. They think that they should have gone to the Super Bowl. And they were talking all this smack before this game. And that's one thing that worries me about the Niners is that they they tend to get a full, full of themselves. And the same thing for my Golden State Warriors. They're the exact same way. And that happened, you know, in the Cleveland game where they kind of got full of themselves, kind of starting to try, talk trash. And then, sure enough, they lose that game. But it's not initially because of the trash talking. It's just because, you know, they, there was injuries in that game that, you know, I think created an issue. But they, they sometimes get full of themselves. And um, But, you know, as far as uh, I knew this was going to be a beatdown because they are the better team from a personnel-to-personnel standpoint. Yeah, the Niners are very top-heavy, meaning that they have a lot more star power, in my opinion, than the Eagles do. The Eagles are a very good cohesive unit. They, they are very good in the trenches. Both offensively and defensive lines are, like, dominant. And I actually saw that the Eagles offensive line was doing a pretty damn good job of manhandling the uh, the defensive line of the Niners. I actually saw uh, Johnson, I think his name, he was handling Nick Bosa pretty well. I actually threw him down on the ground a few times. So, But I saw this coming, William, just to answer your question. I saw this was going to be a beat down, and I was right. You know, I was stunned. But then when I look back at it, I'm like, I should have seen it coming. I didn't see the beat down coming as it happened, just because – a team as strong mentally as the Eagles, I didn't think would allow it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. 
that is the Eagles are ten and two now. They were ten and one because of that mentality. It didn't matter who they played. And here come the, the here come the Niners away on the East Coast. And I, I do not quote me anybody, but it is some stupid number, like thirty percent or something, in terms of, of 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 how much West Coast teams win when they go to the East Coast. East Coast teams dominate West Coast teams, and everybody says it's a jet lagged hours. It's something. Uh, so so they had everything going against them, you know, uh, the Niners, uh, including the hype, you know, on the social media platforms. There, there's love for both teams, but when it gets down and dirty, the Eagle fans know how to get meaner quicker you know the analysts uh but a lot of analysts had it correct too eddie you know they weren't saying this they weren't saying the eagles were living on borrowed time before they lost again but they were talking about how how they didn't look invincible and and, and people head on over to my nfl uh uh uh, power rankings for week 14 and check out what I write because I always stick in there how these teams have been playing their last three games statistically and the Eagles are like in, near the bottom 20s you know so they are not coming together at a time they need to come together and, and worse Eddie this is a mental beatdown this is the type of loss at home that some of these players could go could could could, could over the next few days be thinking we can't beat them you know, they just destroyed us in every facet of the game. Yeah. So, so, so we'll see what happens after that. Uh, uh, I hope you had a chance to look at some of my notes. We, uh, I do notes on this people and I want to give a hat tip to the CBS sports writer, Douglas Clawson. He's the one who was closest to me in breaking this team down and analyzing and, 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 and his article kind of mirrors what I've been saying. This sentence is key. The San Francisco 49ers made a strong case for best team in the NFL now that they are at full strength, which is what I've been saying. So I'm harping on this, but Eddie, do you think, ignore their three-game losing streak, just ignore it, you know, because sometimes it takes losing to learn how to win from that loss. And I think, I, think, I think they're that type of team. So how confident are you if they lose Christian McCaffrey uh, uh, or Debo Samuel. Let's say, if they lose both people. I don't have a lot of confidence for them to win the Super Bowl. But even if they lose one of those those those, those teams, uh, let's let's put them at a scale of ten right now, being fully healthy. If they lost yep. McCaffrey, where would you put in them uh, on a scale of one to ten? Probably about a six. And if they lost Debo, probably about a seven. A seven. And if they lost both, that would be like a three. A three. So you're saying uh, uh, they can handle the loss of Debo because you're at a seven. That's still competitive. But six and below, that raises some serious questions. That's how right. instrumental – what you're telling us is that's how instrumental those two players – and I didn't mention Brock Purdy because they lose Brock Purdy. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, right. Uh, I mean, they would probably go to like a four immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I, yep. I agree. I agree. So, so – <clears throat> My question is, you you agree with that assessment? At full strength, they're literally unbeatable. All right, absolutely, they are, they are definitely unbeatable, and I think it has to do with the way that Kyle Shanahan game plans. I mean, he knows he has essentially two Christian McCaffrey's in the team on the team, and no other team can claim that. I mean, Debo Samuel, let's face it, he is a bigger, stronger version of Christian McCaffrey. He can do everything that Christian McCaffrey can do, except that he's bigger and stronger. And I would say that Chris McCaffrey's probably a better running back. And they're oh, probably by, similar. By night, it's night and day. A, 
Yeah, but because uh, that's his position. But Debo Samuel yeah. can play a running back role, but he's more of a bruising back. He's not one of these types that are more, you know, shifty and, 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 and is not as fast as Christian McCaffrey. So, but Kyle Shanahan knows he has two of these and, and no, no other team can claim this. So he game plans knowing this. So he creates matchups and schemes where he creates, you know, a situation where a, a defense can't defend both of those, can't defend both of them. Right. They, they're both right, right. one and the same kind of, same type of players. Same type of players. Right. Right, mismatches is the word you were looking for there. He creates mismatches. Yep. And with the West Coast offense being a timing offense and Brock, Brock Purdy uh, is pretty accurate, that truly helps the receivers out. And I think what's even more important, and I wrote this about the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and I was wrong. I said the Kansas City Chiefs are the only uh, 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 team that, that understands how to use a running back in the West Coast offense. And that's why they're still competitive. Without Without – their rushing attack, they would have another two or three more losses. Pacheco has been more instrumental to the Chiefs Absolutely. than I've ever thought. And adding to that, when you look at the Niners, it's an even better version of the running game uh, because McCaffrey is 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 your prototypical all-around back. He can catch and receive. So every catch, when I see McCaffrey has a game of eight catches I, or four uh, uh, catches, that to me that's just a running play. That's just an extended yeah. running play. And that's yes. what the West Coast was meant to utilize running backs, and most teams don't. And I think they truly are uh, uh, unbeatable when they're healthy. In fact, Eddie, when healthy with Purdy, McCaffrey, and Debo Samuel, when all three have been healthy and playing together, what's their record? They haven't lost. That's right. 16 and 0. Yeah. Here's some numbers that Eddie will love to hear. <clears throat> the Niners have outscored teams. 529 to 239. They've almost doubled up. In fact, they have doubled up on teams. Yep. They've won 12 of 16 games by 13 plus points. Guys, a three-point game is a close game. A seven-point game is a competitive game. A 10-point game is competitive, but were they starting, you know, was there was a better team that 10 points? Anything above that, it's 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 clearly a superior team. Uh Purdy has 34 passing TDs and three INTs. They beat the Cowboys, Jaguars, and Eagles. Eddie, I'll buy you dinner if you can tell me by how much. How much what? Say that. What was the question? They beat the Cowboys and Jaguars and Eagles uh, 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 X to X. 59-16 uh, or something like that? Combined, beat the Cowboys, Jaguars, and Eagles 118-32. to 32. Think about oh, that. Oh, okay. Like, when you oh, add up all the scores of all those games. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I did say well. Yeah. Did you want to try okay. to guess now? No. no. Time's up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, I mean, so what do you think of this data? I mean, honestly, the last time I, I go ahead. No, I was gonna say there. I mean, what this shows is that when I mean, it's true. When they are fully healthy, they have the most talented roster in the NFL. And combine that with probably one of the better play designers. I don't want to say play caller, play designers in Kyle Shanahan. They're they're a formidable team, and now they have this defense playing at a very elite level now. Where I think there was maybe a three or four week period where we were kind of questioning what what's going on with this team because they built you know this team based on defense. And I think bring them bringing over Chase Young, I think that just helped solidify things on their pass rush because their pass rush will help everything else. You know, uh, th their defensive backs are not that strong. Although they showed up pretty well against the Eagles this last weekend, 
but a good pass rush will go ahead and mask a lot of your other issues on your team. And I think okay. that was what the plan was. Uh, a good man in today's NFL, today's NFL. And when I say today's NFL people, I'm not talking about 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or even 2000, between 2010. But since approximately 2000, all, literally every single rule change that have, has affected, has been pro-offense, penalized defense. You know, and and so when you sit there and say a good pass rush will negate a bad uh, uh, secondary or, or average secondary, no, a, gr- a good the great pass rush. I mean, even the even the Deion Sanders type. So take Patrick Ramsey. Is that his name, Jalen Ramsey? Jalen Ramsey. Well, Ramsey. I mean, yeah, he's not a lead anymore. I don't care what anybody says. But there was a short period he was a lead, but he truly wasn't. He would get beat, burnt by big time players. But if you put him 30 years ago when they didn't have all these ticky-tack rules that hurt the defense, he would be truly seen as an elite player. And my point is is that elite corners, they get fried and burnt. I mean, they're like toast uh, 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 more times in, in more than two hands in today's NFL because of the rules. So I think adding Young was a devastating blow to opponents, you know, yes. to see Young. How much of an impact has Young made for the Niners in your eyes? I mean, he's definitely, uh, I think, created a situation where teams can't necessarily double team Bosa anymore. I think that's that's essentially what happens now with the addition of Chase Young. You have two real serious threats on the edge on both ends, and of course, they're I both agree. like bros. They both came from yeah, did, you know, yeah. Ohio, right? Yeah. So they there's a there's a there's a bro love between them two, and it shows, and and they 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 work together very well. So that in itself, I think, was the big addition and now now teams have to pay attention to both sides which opens up everything else you know even for the interior guys like Javon Hargrave or or Eric Armstead they've gone from young boys into young men to now they're grown men you know playing football together think about that I mean we talk about that yeah man we've been playing ball since Pee Wee League when you're in junior high and high school (laughs) but it's a whole nother level when you can sit there and say in the pros uh here's some here's an interesting stats and again Kudos to uh, uh, Douglas Clawson of CBS Sports. Uh, the game's loss, 2023 Week 8, Samuel and Williams did not play. They lost 31-17. to 17. Yep. Week 7 this year, Samuel Williams gone. They lost against the Vikings. Uh, week 6, McCaffrey and Samuel injured, did not return. They lost 19-17 to 17 to the Browns. That's what you're talking about. They got a little cocky, then they lost those two studs, and boom, it changed yep. the tide of the game. And this is one that burns me up. In 20, the 2022 uh, NFC Championship, Purdy torn UCLA in first quarter, and they lost 31-17. I was pissed because I'm like, you knew it wasn't going to be. You knew what the announcers were saying. Well, they really don't have a third quarter. I mean, it, it, it was like chaos the moment Purdy went down, you know. And, and I got angry, not at anybody, just the fact that the pigskin god says, I'm going to bleep with y'all, America. You're not going to like this. And bam, there goes his owner, you know. Let's get to yeah. – uh, Let's get to their Achilles heel. Okay. Hat tip. Uh, you know this guy. I mean, not personally, but I know you know him. Grant Cohn. Is it Con or Cohn? Grant Cohn. He's a four, he covers the 49ers. He's one no. of these guys most people hate. You know, but most of the fans hate him because he, he's not a objective reporter. He gives what he thinks is his opinion and the right opinion, no matter how far out there. He's fun to watch because I'm not involved in that way so i don't have a stake but man he drives people wow but a hat tip to him uh grant con all 49ers who stands between the 49ers and the super bowl uh uh, uh he must work for sports illustrated because this was in the sports illustrated section 
He says Shanahan. And right. I agree. I, I agree. Uh, in fact, that if you have the notes there, feel free to, to, to read, not read them off per se, but you know, look at him and give us your take on him because I agree with all these. And the angriest I was ever with Shanahan was the Atlanta Falcons, where he was an offensive coordinator, and 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 he he truly became of a JJ and allowed the greatest comeback, which should never have happened, to happen. Yeah, what well, the first one? What do you think of the first one? Yes, he's having a great season. He had a great one last year. We can give him a pass on that, right? Because of all uh, of Purdy's injury, right? Yeah, it's been a, it's been the talk on all the talk shows here locally about you know what is their Achilles heel, and of course this article was talked about you know quite a bit over the last couple of days, and you know I I I agree to a certain extent. Kyle Shanahan has a track record of not being able to close things out, and it's okay. primarily I think because he gets very conservative on his play calling. He doesn't go with the same plan as he had to where to what got them there in the first place. He does something, and I don't know why he does this, but he's proven to do this. And I think that that's what this writer was talking about, is that he can't get out of his own way. And until he proves otherwise, we're going to potentially see the same thing happen again, unless he changes his ways. So he puckers up. we'll he see. Puckers up. But I think that, that there's an element to that. The other element to me, and that's where I was kind of a little concerned, even though I kind of predicted this was going to happen this weekend, where they were going to beat down the Eagles, they were hyper focused. They had this this dates, you know, circled on their calendar since you know last championship game. But like I said before already, in the Cleveland game, they got full of themselves. And when they get full of themselves, they think they can just show up. So I would yep. say Kyle Shanahan, and I think they're over cockiness because they know that they're good. And sometimes because you know when you know that you're good, I mean human nature kind of takes over, and you don't you don't have that edge as much as you should. So I would say wow. those two, in my opinion, are the biggest co- contribute potential weaknesses for the team. You know, I have no clue what kind of human being or individual. Uh, is it Bryce Young or Chase Young? Chase Young, you know, the, the guy they traded for, right? The defensive yes. end. But he was he was drafted by the Redskins. So he's yes. been a loser. Or the commanders. Professional, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, or the uh, football uh, team now. <laughs> the, the Redskins. Just, yeah, the, the Redskins becoming the football team named the commanders. How's that? But the point is, he's, he's been nothing with a loser as a professional. So if he has any kind of leadership, and I'm not saying he doesn't, I just, I don't know the guy. I don't know the cat at all. Uh, 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 If he has any kind of leadership, he will be instrumental in avoiding what you're talking about. Because when you've been on a losing season, it's like me coming from a third world country. I tell all these white suburban uh, libertarians, you know, (laughs) and people who look at life from the lenses of what they're living versus what reality is. And, And the Niners, when they get full of themselves, they're looking at life from the lenses of, we're the Niners, we're this, we're that. And right. Young can come in and go, whoa, 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 there's a whole world of losing out there. And y'all ain't one squat yet. And and so hopefully that can happen. So real quick here, uh, 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 Cone says in the NFC Championship game, uh, uh, he had the wrong game plan. And regardless of Purdy being injured, he still had the wrong play, game plan. You know, I don't even want to talk about that because that's pure conjecture. The moment Brock Purdy got hurt, right. who knows? But uh, 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 the year before, he lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship game after beating yep. them six straight times. And a yeah. lot of people will say, well, the Rams were due statistically. All right, I'll buy yeah. that. But if you for watch sure. the game, you go, dude, you're letting them come. It's it's like they pucker up. He pucker. He yeah. does by puckering up people. What he's doing is every uh, uh, coach's 
stupidity and why you never hear it anymore. The prevent defense in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, there they go yeah. with the prevent defense. The play, the play not to lose mentality. Yeah, the play yeah. not to lose yeah. mentality. Yep. And, and, and two seasons before that, he blew a 10-point lead, fourth quarter lead uh, in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, uh, and you saw where that game ended. That game ended with like six or seven minutes, but then uh, 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 Garoppolo threw that other touchdown. And I'm like, oh, my God, even if they get a field goal out of this, now the Niners are toast. And I can't remember what happened, but that, something like that happened. Uh, and as I said a few seasons ago, they blew that 25-point uh, third-quarter lead. Uh, real quick before we end this topic, can they overcome Kyle Shanahan? I, I think they have. This is the year that I think they can do it. Um, because they have so much talent, assuming that no injuries get in the way. The only thing that can hold them back, honestly, is an injury, a, a significant injury to any of their key star players. Significant injury, because yeah. everybody plays injured at some point yeah. in the career. No, no, in, no. In the uh, Shanahan said it best, Eddie, and I've lived by this ethos since wrestling. Wrestlers go through this because we have no choice when you suck weight and you're hurt and beat up. You can play hurt, you can't play injured. Play injured. And Mike Shanahan said that about some of his players that were hurting, and he brought that up, and I've never forgotten that because that is a great ethos to remember. What does ethos mean? I don't know, but it sounded like it fit in that sentence, didn't it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Eddie has the last word on that. I'm rooting for the Niners only because uh, 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 I think they deserve it. I think they've earned it. Uh, I think they're built to win now, barring the pig, pigskin gods saying, come here, boy. <laughs> and yeah. Let's move on yeah. to some Major League Baseball. And we are baseball virgins no more, Eddie. We are talking Major <laughs> League Baseball. And we are going to be talking Shohei Otani. He is a free agent now. A little bit about Shohei for those of you who don't know. If you can just follow along, Eddie. Uh, uh, this will take a good 30 seconds here because I wanted the people to know who this man is or this young young man is. He's like early 20s still. Shohei Otani is a Japanese professional baseball player. He's a designated hitter and a pitcher. Used to pitch for the Los Angeles Angels. Now he's a free agent. Six foot four, 210 pounds. So that's a good size for a pitcher. And hitter. That's a good size for a, a professional athlete, to be quite frank. You know, yep. he's got two MVP awards, rookie of the year, three All Star awards, and he's only been in the league what five years, maybe? Uh, I think of that. Two time All Star, uh, six years. Six years. Two, two time All Star, 2021, 2022, won the Silver Slugger Award, American League Rookie of the Year, 2018, American League MVP, 2021. Uh, he should have won it the year before, but that was a political vote to get get it to Aaron Judge. Uh, 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 and Aaron Judge didn't even break a record. He just beat Roger Maris's record. There were six uh, uh, times right. that others had hit more home runs. Uh, uh, American League MVP 2021, the Edgar Martinez Award twice, 21-22, AP Athlete of the Year 21, his Japanese accolades, he's appointed a five MPB, that's their league all-star teams, uh, Pacific League MVP. Now, Pacific League MVP, I assume, is one of the predominant leagues because Trevor Bauer plays in that league. You know, so I'm assuming the American players aren't going to go to their minor league system. And he's a Jap Japanese serious champion. He has a career war of 10.0. Now, do you know what the bleep war is? Uh, wins. Uh, it's a wins above replacement. Now, that's a total, <laughs> like, yeah, it's a total, like, analytical, you know, advanced really? analytics kind of measurement. And, you know, baseball has kind of become kind of the, the 
the forefather, I, I would say, for analytics for all these other sports. It is. Honestly. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. I mean, it came from, you know, uh, a Billy Ball, you know, uh, Billy Bean, I think, is the one who actually really started it all. And then, you know, everybody's starting to do it now. But yeah, it's 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 a stat that, you know, I, I don't know how they calculate it. And I don't I mean, it's very involved. But it, I mean, just to show you his number being at 10 is ridiculous. I mean, yes. it's usually like around four to five in, in, in general for most most players. And I think that the guys that are really, really good, you kind of get in the seven to eight range. But that doesn't happen very often. Someone who's a 10, that's like astronomical. You never hear anything like that. Yeah, they say MVP caliber players. So you're talking about the Barry Bonds, the Mark McGuire's, the Jose Canseco. I purposely said those three names that they said Bonds, the Roy trio there. But the point is, Sammy Sosa, oh my God, there's another one. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, the Aaron Judge. I, I, see, I wouldn't view Aaron Judge as an MVP type player. He's had one great season. You know, yeah. Shohei does it consistently. There aren't many. Uh, MVP type players who would command uh, a, a 10 on a regular basis as Shohei does. And yes, uh, just to clarify something, what Eddie meant by Billy Bean is teams. Billy Bean brought it into the, 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 the professional fold, meaning as a general manager, he started using analytics to start helping his scouting, his, his, his scouts. And uh, yep. But Baseball has always been the forefather of fantasy sports. I don't have any documentation. I don't have any proof. I don't have anything except the fact I've been involved in fantasy sports for over 30 years, and I know it's history, you know? And uh, and, and I say that grudgingly because I view myself as a, 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 a great uh, a stats guy, but I don't do all that. I use a lot of different common sense tools. So analytics really are, is for the geeks. And, the, and, and today, Eddie, it's overkill. Unless you have an actual algorithm that can actually punch all that in and spit something out, it's, it's too overwhelming. But God bless it all is. these kids and all these teens. Because when I saw that war, I'm like, what the? I go, you mean, yes. <laughs> it's Shohei over in Israel? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And real, real quick aside, for, for those of you that are on the younger side, as far as our audience, Billy Bean was the general manager for the o Oakland A's or Oakland Athletics uh, back in the 80s. And there's a movie called Moneyball with Brad Pitt. For those of you who want to kind of get a sense of what we're talking about, it talks a little bit more about that. So you can kind of, you know, understand this a little bit more about what, what we're talking about. Exactly. It is absolutely correct. Okay. Money or winning? I think the quote says, says it all. I want to win. That's the biggest thing for me. I'll leave it at that. And the reason I believe that, Eddie, is... He told these teams, if you publicize or start talking about me when I come to visit, I'm going to penalize you, meaning he may still sign with them, but he's going to jack up the price. And a player who has, Yeah, exactly. And the reason I believe him, he wants to win, it's not about the money in full. It always is about the money. Let's be honest. There's a Bob Hart figure in his mind. But he if all things equal, he's going to go to the situation that fits him best. And, and, and I say that because he won in the Japanese League. He's, he's conquered baseball, except for that, uh, except for, for the World Series. So I believe him. Uh, John Morosi of MLB Network, I always like to give people credit for some big news, came out today and said, Otani. Oh, 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 yeah. You know, I'm looking at Otani wanting to say, uh, 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 hey, <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, Tani, Otani, he's expected to decide on his free agent destination by the end of the weekend, give or take a couple of days. And that's the reason I wanted to talk about this now, because he's going to decide soon. 
Now, Eddie, uh, uh, what is this? Tell the audience, if you can, what is the size of this potential contract? Oh, it's easily going to exceed $500 million, easily. And, 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 and we haven't seen a player like this since Babe Ruth. And it's Damn interesting, right. though. Let me tell you something real quick aside on this. So it's interesting that it took a Japanese, a foreign player, who to play both positions and do both positions well in the major leagues because that hasn't happened realistically since realistically Babe Ruth. And the reason why that happens is because here in the United States, I played baseball growing up and in high school, could have played in college as well. They try and make you a specialist. Yep. They, they don't want the, they want pitchers to be pitchers only. And if you can hit and eh, we'll find somebody else who can DH for you anyway. Right. right. And if, you know, for those who hit really well, they don't want them to spend time wasting time on pitching. They want them to be more specialized on hitting. So that's why you haven't seen this. I mean, it took right. like a foreign, you know, born person to come over here. And it's going to be interesting to see if this kind of starts changing that trend. Because oh, usually the best kids growing up, when you know, the best kids growing up usually are the pitchers because they can do both. They can hit and pitch, right? That's right. But then as they get older, they become more specialists. And and hoping that this changes it because in my opinion, I, I was pissed as a pitcher when people DH for me because I could hit, but they wanted me to special be a specialist and just pitch. So and, and I agree, Eddie. You know, uh, as an adult, when I because uh, you know I don't know when you realize that, but over time, even in high school, when watching the pros, you realize that's how baseball works. So it's something we grow up knowing. If the kids who are talented enough to go, that's what's going to happen. And and it irks me because. Uh, uh, you're not helping the team. I mean, if you're a pitcher, you're a great hitter, then I think the team's doing a disservice by saying we're not going to put you in the plate. And and I always remember when I don't watch baseball like I used to, uh, I got disgusted in 1992 with the owners and player strikes, and I got disgusted with the greed of both sides, and I especially started to hate the agents because they were nothing but, 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 but mafioso-type personalities, <laughs> and they're terrible. So I kind of stopped watching. Uh, but I'll tell you this, I'll never forget because it was over and over and over in the World Series when the uh, 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 National League uh, would go to the uh, uh, American, uh, uh, when you know, play in their yep. stadium, then the rules yep. would be set and they'd have Correct. to have a designated hitter. And then there, there's always going to be that one player where, where the announcer goes, yeah. In college or or in the minors, this kid or, or in high school, whatever, this kid was batting 300 something. And I'm always thinking, well, then why not? Help him be a better hitter, and you got a dual player. But the reason right. I believe this will happen, Eddie, and early on, they're going to push back on this, the teams, and they're going to win for the most part. But you're going to get a couple of players who are going to go, they're going to say, bleep you. And you know why? There's no way in hell they'll ever see 500 million without being a dual player. And that, look, I'm sorry, we live in a capitalistic society. Uh, uh, people talk about, well, money's not important. There's a, they're liars. If that was the case, why would they be running out to get the uh, uh, latest I, I, iPhone, the latest this, latest that? They need money. We are a capitalist society, and greed will drive that. And I think today's general managers in small markets will push that too. What better way to compete with the big league teams if your pitcher can sit there and hit the ball pretty solidly? You know, uh, I'm a bit on a, on a rampage here because it's just it's stupid. <laughs> Let the kid play, you know, but yeah. money runs life. Yeah, they're looking. Some reports say, Eddie, it could be 550 to the 600 million dollar range. His former so. teammate, uh, his former teammate has a current uh, largest contract in, in sports. And that's Mike Trout. Mike Trout. 
Yep. Correct. Four hundred twenty-six point five million. Now, for the audience out there, you, this, this is the greatest one-year con. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're looking at a ten-year contract. You're looking Easy. at probably 80, 90 million. But that's what people think the contract will be worth. We don't know what he's going to go for. There's been talks of uh, uh, opt-outs, you know, injury, but all kinds of stuff. So the number's one thing, then his wants in the contract. And right now he's in the driver's seat, you know. And his sure. criteria is pretty simplistic. The team has to be in the position to make the playoffs, have a shot at the World Series. Uh, 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 him and his agent do not want anything Blasted out to the airways. Oh, and what I was going to say about the reason he wants that quiet and why that goes against the grain is, as you pointed out, uh, players use this as leverage. A big hoorah-rah parade coming in town to visit the Yankees. So the Red Sox go, we got to up our money here. You know, the Padres, we're out of the running. But he's not having none of that. And part of the reason, he doesn't have to have any of that. You know, he's the greatest player in our lifetime. He's the greatest player since Babe Ruth. And that's going to yep. piss a lot of people off. But who else is doing what he's doing? Nobody. And I don't. He's been doing it for more than a couple of years now. Now, uh, uh, again, if they say anything, this is I had to look this up when I read it in the article. They might debit teams who leak information about and throughout the courting process. So I actually went to AI for the first time. Bing, what does he mean by this? I kind of thought it had to do with the penalty, and I was right. It means they'll penalize you. There's going to be some form penalty, right. and the Dodgers. Uh, 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 Dave Roberts Dave came Roberts. out and said, yeah, yeah, we talked to him, and they through the grapevine, they said that Dodgers brass sat him down. Dude, stop. Just stop. He said, shut the bleep up, and there you go. Well, I'm an honest guy. That's right, Dave, you are. That's why we love you, Dave. But shut the bleep <laughs> up and stop being so honest. You know, because right. it could cost him. It could cost it's him. for sure. Yeah. Uh, 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 okay. Their potential landing spots. Uh, uh, you're an ex-baseball player. I have my stake, uh, my takes on this, but they're more politically driven because he's young, but he has a girlfriend who knows he may want a family. So I kind of view it as everything equal. Where's the best place for him to live? That's how I'm looking at it. But the Los yeah. Angeles Angels aren't technically out. I think they're done. They're out. If they had a chance, they would have signed him, you know, before he hit the market. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but technically, they're still in there. The Toronto Blue Jays, who we visited this week, the Chicago Cubs, the San Francisco Giants, uh, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Atlanta Braves. <clears throat> and today, yep. Ryan Dempster. I, I, you follow baseball or played it. I'm sure you know he was ex-closer for the Cubs for many years. Yep. Uh, he said, and let me quote him. This was from a tweet. We just heard from an anonymous source that there is a secret team interested in Shohei. Otani, people, I just learned how to pronounce that today. <laughs> Not yet sure if it is an American League or National League team, but rumor has it is a team that hasn't been mentioned yet, but could make one of the teams that was, whatever that means. It's an ongoing development in a complex market. There's nothing complex. It's who has the deepest uh, pockets uh, available under whatever pseudo salary cap they have to sign them. But that was by Ryan Dempster, former league, major league pitcher. My thoughts on that, Eddie, simple. It's got to be the Yankees or the Red Sox. No team at the last minute yeah, sure. that that had can sit there and wield that kind of money. Uh, well, Yankees. first of all, you so you think the Yankees have an interest now? It's the Yankees. Yep, that's that's. I mean, they're the only ones who could do that, other than the than the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers yeah, yeah. and Yankees have the deepest pockets in the in the major leagues, so they're the only two I think that could do that. You know, that's why the team was sold. I forget the name of the family. There was the family that owned them in Brooklyn, brought them over to L.A. They owned them till about 10 years ago. And the reason they said they sold is we feel we're forced to sell. 
we can't compete with these free agents and this type of money. So they showed yep. a big corporation who can. And you're right. All right. Where do you think his best destination or where do you think that he'll wind up at? Or uh, 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 yeah, where do you think he'll wind up at? Los so, Angeles, uh, Toronto, so, Chicago. Go ahead. Okay. So, so I'll tell you that, you know, I think the, 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 the path of least resistance for him would be to go to the, go to the Dodgers. I mean, he just a hop, skip and a jump from where he's at right now in, you know, uh, LA or for Anaheim where, you know, mm. the, the, the angels play. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty multicultural area out there in LA and I'm sure he's got his roots set there. And I think it's just going to be easy for him to stay there for him and his family to go to an organization that's ready to win. Cause he said that that's important. The Dodgers have deep pockets. They're ready to win. And they're a hop, skip, and a jump from where he's at right now. So I think they're the front runners, in my opinion. And this whole Dave Roberts, you know, leaking this stuff, you know, if he gets penalized, they, they, they might penalize it by giving him more money, really, well, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's essentially what it is, right? So it, it might cost him another 50 million bucks, you know, uh, to the contract. But I think that's where he's going to end up, honestly. You know, I think Los Angeles would be the best. I think actually the best spot for him if he wants to start a family, he's worried about uh, 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 the cultures around him. By that, I mean he wants a strong Asian culture presence near him. Uh, SoCal has that. I mean, San yeah, Diego sure. was originally in the running, but now they're not, I don't think. But but both the Angels and, and Dodgers had that. I think that would be his best case scenario. And more importantly, uh, we are more of a suburb development land you know it, it, we're not like new york eight million people crammed in one in five yeah, boroughs we're more spread out and and yep. i think he's going to be shell-shocked if he signs with chicago san francisco uh uh, uh or, or if it's the yankees i think i think he'll hate his, his day-to-day personal life that's city life you know it, it's ugly it, it's steamy and look yeah. i'm sorry but Believe you know what's going to get him a real quick yeah, real quick, just just to just to add on, because, you know, I'm from San Francisco, that's my hometown. And, you know, I definitely would love to say that the Giants have a, a, a fair share or a fair shot at getting this guy. And I would say that if, you know, San Francisco was a better team, definitely would have a shot, but they they don't they're not a good team right now. And right. they're going to it's going to be hard for them to sell Shohei to come to to the team unless there's an, another planet in the works to be able to bring other guys that would get them to win now. But as far as the cultural part of it, San Francisco or the Bay Area in, in general is a has a huge age po- uh, Asian population. This oh no, you're very right. Good, very good you're place right. for him. There's a lot of suburbs. Uh, suburbs, it's not <laughs> suburbs here. It's not just San Francisco, the city, right? There's a bunch of places around here. You no, know, you're I right. You know, Every so, urban area has their suburbs. Yeah, Chicago, when I sure. visit Chicago, I'd be in the suburbs. There. You're right. I can see that. Uh, and you're right. It's a heavy Asian. And I'll make a, a, a pseudo joke here, but Japanese are prim and proper, especially when it comes to uh, waste-related uh, issues. Did you know the oh. Fukushima, the Fukushima uh, uh, reactor? Uh, uh, people were hospitalized because there were no toilets and they were embarrassed to be seen or going to public. So they held it to the point they had to be hospitalized. I don't think San Francisco's going to be to his liking if he takes a stroll through that city. And Eddie, ironically, the last FSTA event I went to was in San Francisco. So we're That's the last time I saw you, by the way. That was the last time I saw you. So yeah. I had a business meeting and I made the mistake of looking, setting up for walk, thinking I had set up for walk and thought it was a 15 minute walk or 10 minute walk. And that was actually drive time. 
And that was the first time I noticed, oh, my God, the stories weren't national yet. But we had heard rumors of them or little stories here or there buried in the papers of how it was becoming, excuse my French, this is what it is now. It's a shithole. So is L.A. And somebody who was born and raised in a third world country who has gone and visited dozens of third world countries. Yes, San Francisco was becoming a shithole because when I walked through there more than once, Eddie, I'd see a block and it's just homeless. And what you would think is yeah. a big old dog turd from a great day was no, it was human waste. So, so, so I, I'm saying that half jokingly, but I find it so disgusting. They're, to me, those are negatives. We think of the money, the ballparks, the plays, where he can move to. But I think of the simplicity. Wouldn't it be great if he could live near the stadium? But he can't because he's living with a homeless or the 85% uh, 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 hate attacks done to Asians. There, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so, who knows? I think you are absolutely correct. I, I don't know if the Dodgers are going to end up winning. Uh, this this bid, but I think based on what you said, it is the best place. They cleared out. They, they had some kind of salary. I can't remember. Let me look here. Some kind of salary cap issue. Uh, 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 they shed payroll uh, to avoid the luxury tag. Now they have enough cash. And look, they're a perennial playoff contender over the last five, six, seven, eight years. Uh, and they wanted him in 2017. So they're going to fight for him this go round. And I think you're absolutely correct with the Giants. They just don't have the guns to woo him right now. Uh, 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 so, so I agree with you. All right, let's move on to the final topic uh, uh, concerning Shohenti, and that is his health. Look, he's not going to pitch in 2024 uh, because of an elbow injury. He's likely going to start pitching again in 2025. Uh, in fact, 2024 was a nightmare season for him. Had the ulnar issue with the throwing arm. Then he had inflammation in his core muscles, which I assume are his belly ab type area. I'm not quite sure. I didn't think it was important enough to look up. But another injury. And that ultimately ended his season, which allowed him to go through the surgery. He'll be ready on opening day of 2024. Uh, 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 I'm assuming no setbacks. Uh, and again, he won't pitch till 2025. And the surgery was to repair a torn ulnar collateral ligament that the team discovered in his throwing elbow on August 23rd. And they shut him down pretty much immediately after that. He's 29 years old. So he's at that era. He needs a heel. He'll have a few more good years. And the surgery repaired the, the, the issue at hand. They repaired the elbow. They reinforced it with healthy ligaments. And they think he's going to be able to pitch and hit for uh, years to come. They added viable tissue. I'm a sh that means something, viable tissue, uh, for the longevity, which means that's why he'll be able to pitch and hit. That's his injury update. It doesn't seem like this injury situation is slowing down the suitors. Uh, 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 your thoughts? No, no, it's not going to slow it down. No way. I mean, the guy's still going to, I mean, if anything, this is going to save another year of wear and tear on that arm. So I, I, I think it's, it's a good thing. And sometimes some of these play, the way surgeries go these days, some of these guys come back stronger with their arm, depending on what the surgery is. So yeah, no yeah. problems. I don't think these guys, I, I don't think that'll, you know, sway any GMs from not going after this guy. And there we have it. The next time we talk about Shohei, odds are he's likely to be 500 to $600 million richer. Let's move yeah. on. Let's move on to a spot where our El Salvadoran here is an expert at. The National <laughs> Basketball Association. Eddie, give us the latest updates. First of all, who's still in the in-season uh, in the in-season tournament? Who so has there's... been upset that you don't know about? And, and give us your take on these upsets, if it means anything long-term. Well, I mean, the Boston Celtics got upset by the Indiana Pacers, which I don't think anybody saw coming. 
but the, you know, I don't really, I, I called out Indiana as a dangerous team, you know, in my preseason rankings because they just have a lot of talent and they play very, very fast. They're a team that just goes out to try and outscore you, uh, kind of like, you know, back in the day, the Denver Nuggets used to try and do, uh, under, uh, with Dan Issel and Kiki Vandeway and Alex English. I mean, that team was formidable as far as scoring. They're doing the same thing here. They're, they're just a fast moving team and they're up to up tempo and I, and, and they just beat Boston unbelievably. Uh, so Boston's ousted. So Indiana is in there. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have made it as well. So they're going to be playing together, uh, against each other. Uh, actually it's, uh, let me see, it's tomorrow, actually tomorrow is the, uh, the game. Yeah. So it's going to be Indiana versus uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think that's going to be, I think the marquee matchup, in my opinion, uh, the final four. And then the, uh, on the West side, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers ousted the Phoenix Suns. Um, and then the uh, New Orleans Pelicans ousted the, the Kings. So now the matchup is between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Los Angeles Lakers to represent the West. So uh, in my opinion, I think the teams that who are, who are going to win, I think it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think it's going to be the New Orleans Pelicans. So I think that's going to be the championship game. That is my call. Anything of note where... <clears throat> Uh, well, first of all, my first question is, when I looked at the brackets, I saw the Pacers and it had number two under them and it had number three under Boston. Uh, and my first thought was, okay, uh, the Pacers have the higher seed. So my take is, what was the big deal about the upset? Uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Upset no, it, it, it's it because of the way they, it's, yeah, it's because of the way they broke out these, these kind of inner small divisions. They broke out like these six divisions of five teams you know, to come up with this uh, tiering or this new uh, uh, standings process to come up with the league within the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the schedule itself. They've created this tournament with the schedule. And the way they, they did it is, you know, the teams that actually finished with the better record were the higher seats, you know. It doesn't necessarily mean where they're at within the overall standings of the, of the regular season. Gotcha. It's just where they were in the standings of this in-season tournament kind of bracket. So the, the Indiana Pacers had a better overall record as well as higher margin of victory uh over the boston celtics actually boston celtics were actually you know having they were, they were going to have a hard time getting over the hump because they had this margin of victory uh issue that they had to overcome and this is what created some of the controversy is that the boston celtics were ahead by a lot of points and they're still hucking up three pointers just so that they can go ahead and, 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 and have enough of a margin of victory to be able to pass the second place team. So that's what happened. So, gotcha. so, so Indiana was the, the higher seeded team because of the other, you know, the, the better record as well as the better margin of victory, you know, uh, within the tournament itself. Any other upsets or big wins or anything of note that you think can carry over into the regular season? You know, I'll tell you this as a fan, I think that this was a resounding success because the, the games were very much way more intense than they normally would have been. And, you know, during the regular season at this time, the beginning of the season, a lot of the teams, they rest their players, you know, and, and, and you know, it's kind of a lull time until Christmas comes. Mm -hmm. And I think that the NBA, you know, did a good job in creating this format. And I think the players have bought into this thing. The players, I think, really have bought into this thing. You can see by that they're really competitive, you know, and, and, and players want to compete, you know, LeBron said it best after the game when they beat, when they beat uh, the Phoenix Suns is like, you know, the, 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 the sideline reporter asked, you know, Hey, you know, are you guys really getting into this? It's like, Hey, you know, we're kind of, you know, 
first, for, you know, we're, 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 we're athletes. We're the highest paid athletes, you know, and, and you put us in a position to compete because this is what we want to do. We want to compete and we want to win. So if you create a scenario where we want to compete and win, we're going to do it. And essentially that's what happens. They created this right. environment or this, this setup where they compete for more money, really. They get more money each, well, each, uh, each time it, they yeah. advance. They, they make more yeah, money. They, but the money is negligible compared to their salaries. Uh, 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 I, is, I agree with still, you. I, I agree more with money. you. But it, it's I mean, not for, the some, money. for some players, it's, it's going to matter. Yeah, but for, well, yeah, yeah, for that, yeah, yeah. yeah some players, you know, <laughs> are not like a LeBron, they're going to get yeah. more money. I mean, there's some rookies on that team that get more money. So a lot of these veterans will want to play harder for these guys to make more money. I mean, there's that you're element talking about, too. You're talking about players 12, 13, 14, and 15 <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But, but, but my point is, is if this wasn't in there, they get into a zone, meaning they wake up. They go to right. the, uh, the Coliseum, right. they dribble, they know they got a game uh, because right. of their love for the game. Uh, they're going to give it all they got. But when it's a tournament, something in everybody, whether it's wrestling's regional or the wrestling county yeah. or, or football playoffs begin, that's what this represents. Now, my question to you is, this is its inaugural season. Was there a specific reason they did? I think they did it for everything you just said. And to to gin up interest in the NBA, because that's the other thing. Once the NBA hockey and baseball season start after the first two to three days, the hoopla's gone and they get into the regular norm. This kind of like extends that that, that opening gun and keeps people excited. I, I think you're right in, in terms of that's why they're doing this. But is there any other reason that they, they did this? I mean, they, they, they've been talking about doing this for, for quite some time. They were trying to figure out how to come up with an in-season tournament because there's other sports that have something like this. And the NBA had been kind of toying around with it. And it's been in design for years. But it's a way to market the market the brand, really. I mean, they're, and I don't know if you've seen the commercials, but they're marketing the crap out of this thing. And they did a really good job of marketing this thing. So I think that, you know, like me as a fan, I know that this is just kind of like a, you know, yeah, it's a made-up tournament. Oh my God, is this going to be real? But after watching the games, these guys were really, really competing, and it made me excited to watch. Now I'm bummed that the Warriors were ousted from this thing, even though it really doesn't matter. But for me as a fan, I, I enjoy this competition, especially when these guys are really, really into it. So I, 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 I would say, you know, bravo to the NBA for doing something. I think the one thing that they need, they do need to address though, is that margin of victory. I think that created some controversy. And it's rightfully so. I don't think that they, they should abide by that. They should change something around that. So hopefully we'll see some changes on that, you know, next next season or the years to come. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that makes sense. Any idea what the ratings were for this? Because I, I did read good. I just don't that know. the ratings are I don't very know. good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the rate. I, I, I would say that they're probably higher than they were in past years at the same time. So I'm sure that's what they're comparing against. But I don't know what the actual Nielsen rating is for, you know, the time right now. But I, I guarantee you it was better. In previous years. Okay, here's something I just found uh, from Forbes. The Kings Warriors' first game on November 28th averaged 2 million viewers. Uh, 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 were the Kings? Yeah, the Kings, uh, which is a 93% increase for a game in a comparable window from last season. There you know you what's go. depressing, Eddie, is you see these salaries these guys go, and they're, earned, they're only getting uh, 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 2 million people to watch. Uh, they're, they're negotiating the, the television contract, either either baseball or or, or or the NBA right now and pundits are saying this is the last big big contract you're going to see 
Negotiations will begin for every other league moving forward, probably except for football, because the numbers are are dropping yearly. And mm. that's where they those are the billion dollar contracts. That's what affords the owners to pay these these astronomical uh, uh, salaries. I am looking forward to seeing how this goes down when that first NBA or baseball – it's going to be the NBA, baseball, or hockey, or maybe even NASCAR. NASCAR's ratings have dropped uh, uh, percentage points. Football's the one that's dro- has also dropped, but it's kind of like it drops like this. It drops, then it goes like this. Up, right, up, right, you know, right. Just because of the teams playing. So it will be interesting to see that, but good for them. Good for the NBA. All right, Eddie. So we have a basketball series ongoing at, at Grumley's Media right now called uh, uh, where Big John uh, is 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 penning articles uh, in terms of who are the best NBA players at X position. We are on centers, right? I asked Eddie, take a look at the article. I wanted to get his take in, in terms of the list. Does he agree with it? Does he hate it? What tweaks he would change? Here's our list. And please take some time out to go over there and read it. The best NBA, NBA players of all time, uh, centers, uh, Bill Russell, David Robinson, George McCann. What do you think about those three so far? Or better yet, Eddie, this is your segment. How do you want to attack it? So I looked at this at all the players that John had ranked, and you know, you know, I re- earlier, you know, this year, I actually had come up with you know my overall top ten, and I only had put in a few centers in there. Actually, there was only two centers that I had in my top ten, and there was a reason why I did that is because one, you know, centers need to have the ball given to them to score for the most part because they really don't really create their own shot. There are some right. that can, but that's the reason primarily. And two, a lot of these other old timers that John has pointed out here played a lot earlier than when I was born. So I really couldn't really see them from, you know, when in their prime. So, you know, in looking at the list, I don't, I can't argue looking at it from a, a holistic point of view, meaning like these are known as the best centers in the NBA. I mean, in, in my opinion, the, the, the best ones in my opinion are Kareem, and I've already count. I already, to me, he's number two all time next to Jordan as far as overall player. So Kareem, I think, was number one. I also put um, Olajuwon as somebody there that I think should be in the top five because of his skill set. And the third one, in my opinion, in the overall is Nikola Jokic, current NBA player right now, two-time reigning MVP for the Denver Nuggets. We haven't seen a talent like this ever at that position, and uh, the guy can do everything. And he's probably going to surpass. Uh, Russell Westbrook in in, in, in triple doubles because triple doubles Oscar Robertson for years was the main triple double king and then Westbrook broke that but Nikola Jokic is going to break that as a center and that's unheard of so to me those are the top three and you know he had Bill Russell in there Bill Russell is recognized as probably the greatest champion we have ever seen yeah 11 right 11 champions he has so many rings but the reason why I didn't I, I, I can't put him as high as these other guys He's a defensive-oriented center. Could he score? Yeah, he could score. But he's more of a defensive-oriented center. And he played at a time when the NBA only had 17 teams. So there wasn't that much competition as there is today. So that's why I couldn't really put them, put him higher than those other guys that I just mentioned. You know, uh, Jokic, uh, uh, Olajuwon, and, and Kareem. To me, those are the top three. Then there's a George Mikan, who's way can, older can, than Can I, I interject? Can I interject yeah. there, Eddie, on that? Here's my issue when people say that is you always hear the person say, well, those players can't play in today's league. I'm like, okay, 
Let's take Shaq. Let's take Michael Jordan. Let's take any of these players. Put them in the 50s, the 60s. They were probably better talented, but were they? We we eat better. We know more about nutrition. We have supplements. Yes, we have roids. We right. get sick. There's medication. These players are taking HGH, some of them, because it's undetectable. You know, so, so I tell people, yeah, but that person you're looking at today in modern times, they would not look anything like that back in the day. It's like football players. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nick Bosa and Chase Young, they can, they can hammer the quarterback, but let's see them do it with leather helmets. You know, so so I always said, and the other thing is, I always find it a bit unfair because we've never seen them play. You're reading how good he was, but Correct. how many times have we read a report and we watch the game, uh, 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 and then we go out of the report? Well, technically the report's right, but no, that game was so much different. You know, sure yeah. the game ended at 16-13. Well, that was a different game when you saw it. So, so I, I always look down. I don't look down. I get aggravated. Not you. We're older, but some of these younger kids. You know, it's like the all-time greatest players, and, and they're guys from the last ten years. You know, it's like when I yeah. saw Joe kick. When I saw Joe kick on here, I'm like, the dude's still playing. How can you compare him? So let me ask you this: What has Joe kick? done and i'm not challenging you i'm not disagreeing i'm asking i don't know but what has joe done to sit there and put him on the same level as will chamberlain as shaquille o'neal as kareem as hakeem olajuwon's 18 years how long has joe been in the league uh i would say about seven i think seven years yeah so uh, now that's a good track record but man uh, hakeem olajuwon 18 years i'm pretty sure kareem played double digits i can't remember 20 years I think 20 yeah, or 22 years. Yeah, yeah, I knew he was super long. But yeah. so I, as somebody who understands this game from an analytics as well as a business standpoint uh, uh, and, and understand the bigger picture, and I'm not saying he does not belong, but my first question is, dude, does he even have enough uh, time in the warrant being on this list? And I, I know I'm not wrong to think like that, but I'd like to hear the answer from you. Does Joe Kick belong in this list yet? Meaning, is it too soon or does he truly belong in this list? He's, 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 okay. He's on a trajectory to be on this list. He's going to be on the Mount Rushmore of centers when it comes down to at the end of his career, assuming he does not have a significant injury. He's on the trajectory to beat all of these guys. He will be considered the best center of all time. If he plays another seven to eight years, even only 15 years, he will be considered the best center of all time. Mark my word. Because you haven't seen anybody play like this at this position. Oh, I, I'm not doubting you, Eddie. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you why. I'm trying to explain <laughs> to you why, man. All right? He can all right. shoot at all levels, okay? There hasn't been a center that can consistently shoot at all levels. And what I mean by levels is three-point, mid-range, and down-low, low post. And the guy does all this stuff without barely even jumping. And the guy, I don't know if you've ever seen this guy pass, but this guy's passing skills we haven't seen anything like this. Bill Walton's probably the guy that's closest to be compared to him as far as the passing ability. And then also Arita Sabonis, who is the dad of DeMontis Sabonis of the Sacramento Kings. He was also a very, very good passer. But when we got him here in the NBA, he was already past his prime. He had his prime when he was in in, 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 the, yeah. in, uh, in Russia, right? Europe. But those, Russia, yeah. those three guys, I mean, Jokic blows all these guys away from a passing ability standpoint. It's crazy how good this guy is from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, though, that is his liability, right? There are other centers that are better than him from a, a defensive uh, point of view. Bill Russell's probably considered the best defensive center we've ever seen, you know, in our, in our lifetime, for sure. 
Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is another one who's very, very good defensively, but he's not as versatile as Bill Russell was. So that's the reason why he's better, in my opinion, or will be in this in this conversation when his career is over. He will be considered the best center we have ever seen. And it's not even there close. You go. There you go, people. Uh, you know, well, one one question. Whenever you talk about one Bayama, you talk about similar things that Jokic is doing. But you never compare him to Jokic. How come? Are they – I mean – They're, they're well, not center. I, I he's not a center. Oh, oh, oh. is not a center. They they play him as a small forward. He's oh, he's more like a, a Durant or a, Brand, a Brandon Ingram type. You know, okay, they gotcha. they're, they're long. They can shoot. They have dribbling skills. You know, uh, they can pass too. But Jokic is a big guy. I mean, that guy's like you know two seventy five, two eighty. He's kind of like a Shaq. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, like, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like a Shaq as far as size wise. Uh, although I, I think Shaq was a little bit heavier than him. But, you know, uh, he's way more skilled than Shaq was. And by the way, I want to also address, because, I, you know, Shaq was also on John's list. Shaq was a very dominant presence because of his size. Exactly. From a skill, that was standpoint, from a skill standpoint, I would say that he's not as skilled as some of the other centers we have seen in, our, in, in the league. You know, Olajuwon, to me, is one of the highest skilled centers we have ever seen. David Robinson was another one who was also very highly skilled. You know, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because of his skyhook. But Shaq, his main skill was just, he was just large. He was just dominated. You know, he just kind of moved. I mean, sometimes I felt the, the refs kind of unfairly, you know, uh, ref the games for in his favor because he would mow people over and he would never get called. For, I mean, hardly get called for charges. So I didn't, I, 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 I understand why Shaq is in John's list. I just don't have him in the echelon that I think are the best centers. And I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Shaq was like that big kid always playing every year. You know, once he gets these skills down like a veteran and all that, I mean, year 14 is like whatever year he was towards in. Once he gets these skills down here, he's going to make every free throw possible. I yeah. mean, you know, I yeah. don't think Shaq was dedicated, to be quite honest. I think he had this God-given size. Learned yes. to play basketball uh, after uh, 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 the LSU guy discovered him in Germany, you know, with his size 12 or 14 feet. Uh, his dad was in the army, you know. Yep. Uh, uh, so uh, I agree with you. But that said, uh, 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 1207 GR uh, or GP, uh, 23.7 uh, PPG, points per game, two and a half APG, 10.9 RPG. That kind of aligns with everybody else on here in many ways. So, so I, I agree with you. And that's the key difference in terms of what I was talking about, Bill Russell. You saw Shaq play. I yes. see these numbers. I'm like, no, Eddie, he belongs on here. But you saw him play. He was our I see him play. I see all so, I mean, so, Yeah. So you see the numbers, but then you see the real Shaq. Yes. And that's that's the deception numbers give you. you yes, know? yes. And I got to tell you, you know, since we're talking about Shaq, Shaq, as a player, God, I hated him as a player. I really hated him, especially as a Warrior fan, only because I thought he was always getting the benefit oh. of the doubt from the refs. He always got the calls, and it just pissed me off. But no, he, you know, did. he did. He did. But, you know, and the thing is, again, he's just a large guy. You know, but, but I mean, he was dominant as hell, and it pissed me off that he'd get all these calls. But I got to tell you, after he has retired, and, I, you know, when he was playing, a lot of people would always say that he was one of the more – uh, 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 favorite guys, like uh, locker room guys. He was like, uh, yeah. a lot of the teammates loved this guy because he was so funny. And I'm like, yep. really? Now you get to see his personality after he freaking, you know, after he retired. I mean, he is a funny guy. He's like a really funny guy. He, to me, makes that TNT show with uh, Ernie Johnson and, 
and uh, Kenny the Jet Smith and, and Charles Barkley. I think he makes that show because he is so freaking hilarious. And you got to see this. I point, uh, have you seen that Pepsi commercial? Uh, no, about, I check it out tonight. You got to check it out. Tonight. It's funny. It's a really good commercial. It kind of really shows his personality uh, as a player, as as a person. So, but Shaq, he deserves to be on this list. I'm just giving you me, my reasons why I don't have him in my in my top four. No, That's I it. would agree. I would agree. And 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 to your point, Eddie. Shaq is the reason I, I gave up on basketball. I was like, the remember the two years at Portland and, and the Lakers played in the finals? Yes. And I'm, I'm watching the game. It didn't happen once. It happened twice. And the Lakers were like, it ain't two games. The Lakers are done. And Shaq's barreling down in his dribble. It's like this. You know? <laughs> he can't even dribble no But then I always thought that side's the center. You know? And the ref is like this, looking at him from under the basket. The nation is watching it, and there's Shaq, like a fullback, running into the Portland. This happened not once, but twice in different games towards the end of the game where the Lakers were losing, and they had to rush everything, you know, trying to play catch-up. And uh, he ran over the guy. Yeah. And the rest, I mean, it, it reminded me of the Chiefs game with the Packers guy, you know, going right through the receiver. And he watched him. Why? Because the rest know the NBA wants the Lakers in the finals. Yeah. Portland got screwed. Yeah, yeah. I, I I have not watched a basketball game in its entirety since then, and I never will, uh, because to me it's as close to fixed. It is fixed. We have Tim Donahue. What's his name? Tim Tim Donahue. <laughs> Donahue yeah. Donahue. So so yeah. it is a fixed game. And again, I mentioned this before on points on the board. See, you got me going. The L.A. Lakers was the worst secret in all of sports were tampering and talking to Shaq when he was still with the Orlando Magic. And the NBA knew this and didn't do squat. Why? Because David Stern, you know, hey, God bless David Stern. He didn't have time to do anything because he was always on his knees for the Lakers owner. You know, that's how the yep. NBA operated back then. Why? Because the Celtics and Lakers saved the NBA in the, in, in the 80s. So that league was beholden to what the Lakers wanted to do. So they cheated to get Shaq. I don't know what anybody tells me. That's a god truth. So, so, so you are absolutely right. Shaq got the cause. And he the did. reason he got I get the angry the is yes. when I look at Michael Jordan and I look at Shaq, completely two different players. But when I look at the talent within Jordan, that's when I agree with your assessment. There's not many lake and many centers in that top 10 all time. It's because look at the actual talent disparity. Here, here's Jordan here, and here's Shaq. I mean, I can't even put on the screen how much down he was. But yeah, he was one of the better centers. So I mean, and you're right. I was just talking about that show and a different podcast about Charles Barkley. I said, oh, my, my co-host there was was kind of gave me this dazed look in the sense of a uh, of a uh, of a, uh, you know. I said, oh, I hated Charles Barkley as a player. <laughs> and, and, I, and he goes, I'm like, I hated him because he was a trash talker. He played for teams. But he was hella good, though. Get yeah, but yeah exactly. No, exactly. Right. And after he retired, and I was like, I'm glad he didn't win a ring. I'm glad talking all that trash on this. And then when he retired, I loved him to death. You yeah. know, and, and now I feel bad. Poor guy never got a ring. Yeah. Hey, guy, yeah. Damn, I wish he had got a ring. But when I watched him, I hated him. Shaq, yeah. I never hated. I never hated. I hated because I never blamed Shaq. Shaq was, I love Shaq because he grew up with a great father, a great family, and he yeah. understands the reality uh, of today's world and doesn't fall in line with, with identity politics. And that's what God, I will always love him for that, even though I don't always agree with what he says. And you're right. That show, I just sat there and said, Charles Barkley, and you can include Charles Barkley or Shaq, take your pick. They are the Terry Bradshaw to basketball uh, as what Terry Bradshaw is to football in the pregame. 
on the pregame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. But yeah, th- those guys make the show. But to me, it's it's Shaq. Shaq makes that show more than more than anybody else. Um, yeah. Before I forget, before I forget, because no, 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 no. It's only fifty nine minutes, Eddie. No, I know, but I got I got one more because there's one person. There was one question you asked me who who should have been on this list. All right. Oh, yeah, and there's yeah. one person that's not on this list that I think will be and should be at some point is Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid of the 76ers uh, is a similar skill set to Shaq from a dominant oh, and strong. Embiid. Joel Embiid. Yeah, Joel Embiid. Yes, Joel Embiid. He's a very similar size to Shaq, can bully people like Shaq, but he's very skilled. So he's kind of like a, a more skilled version of Shaq because he can shoot. Right. He can shoot from All the right. mid and the outside. So I just wanted to let John know he needs to add Joel Embiid in there, in my opinion. There you go. All right, Eddie, we're going to skip around here real quick. We're going to go. I want a minute per player. Get, we're intro. Okay, that's enough of basketball. Okay. Shaq is a lovable guy, but he got all the calls when he shouldn't have. <laughs> and let's move on. Uh, uh, going back to the uh, uh, football, uh, the MVP race. But before we get to the MVP race, and Eddie won his second bet, we're at minute, an hour 12 here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got, you got a minute to give me uh, a quarterback, a minute to give me an RB, a wide receiver. Let's help out these these people who are lucky enough to make it to their fantasy playoffs or looking needing a little help to make it. Who uh, talk to me? Yeah, so I mean, there's a, it's a large list, so I'm not going to go through the full list of, of players, but a lot of these players I've already mentioned. So if you're fortunate enough to be at this point, you probably already have some of these players on your team. But if you don't, uh, the one player that I will say that has not made it from a wide receiver standpoint that should be considered. Uh, is is uh is Noah Brown of the Houston Texans. He was a player that I'd mentioned before. And the reason why I mention him now is because Tank Dell just fla- fractured his fibula and he's out. So he's gonna oh. get a lot more targets. All right. So Noah Brown oh, for yeah. the okay. for the Houston Texans. And we know CJ Stroud loves to throw. He's yeah. he's someone that you should want to pick up on on the, the Texas uh, on the Texans. As far as QBs, we've already talked about uh Matthew Stafford and Gardner mentioned in the past, but another name I'll give you is, is James Winston. Because, you know, David Carr right now is hurt. And, you know, that that team still throws. And, you know, they have, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, who, you know, is there for screens and so forth. So you want to use him uh, if you're desperate to get a a QB. And as far as running backs, uh, Kenneth Gainwell uh, for the the, uh, Eagles is somebody that you should target. Uh, I think he's been the forgotten man because of the emergence of DeAndre Swift. But DeAndre Swift just got hurt in this last weekend. So he's a guy that I would target to get on your on your – on your on your squad and another guy is uh, chase brown for the cincinnati Bengals. he's a rookie he's got a lot more touches last week and i think they're you know because cincinnati's probably going to be you know probably on the outside looking in from the playoff standpoint i think they're going to start kind of seeing what they got so i think he's going to get uh, more touches as we keep, keep going forward and uh brevin jordan as a tight end uh for the houston texans again uh you know they, the the cj stroud loves to throw and uh, he's a guy that you should target because he's somebody that definitely is not on many people's rosters and I think that he had a pretty good game last week, scored, I think, 7.5 points from a tight end position, which is pretty decent for a tight end. So you definitely want to target him, uh, you know, if you, if you need a tight end play for this week. And that's it for this as far as the That's week. it. Oh, my it. goodness. And there you have it, people. Eddie's fantasy football waiver wire picks. And I was going to try to bring in a, a, an expert here, uh, uh, but we got so overwhelmed in so many topics. But we'll get one in because I didn't realize. See, I played in a league where – one league, our playoffs uh, started like in week 13, you know, because we allowed a lot of teams to get in wild card. We followed the kind of uh, the, the, the NFL type uh, scenario with their brackets. and uh, But most 
it's what week week fifteen to sixteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. most leagues. So, so we'll bring somebody in here before then. All right, let's get to a topic Eddie's been pestering me to do, pestering my bosses to do. The the most valuable player race. So Eddie, this week I just want to talk about the top contender. Well, it's your segment. You can talk about whoever you want. But there's I've got listed about eight players that are in the running. However, the reality of it, and when you look at the odds makers, it's pretty much a quarterback race. Uh, am I it's wrong to see it that way? Uh, so talk to us about the quarterbacks, uh, uh, the pros and cons. You know, you don't have to go in deep, just a couple of points of each for now. And then we'll get, as each week goes, we'll grow into more, adding more to these players and what makes them unique and then what's making them the candidate to win it all. So let's start off. Uh, 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 go ahead. You want me to name them and then you respond? No, no, I can go, I can, I can, I can go through it. So I'm not going to go through every player, but I can tell you right now that in my opinion, the two players that I think are the front runners right now, I think prior to last week, I think Jalen Hurts was probably one of the front runners only right. because his team was 10 and one at the time before they right. got lambasted by the, by the Niners, you know, but his stats don't really show that, you know, compared to other quarterbacks that are on winning teams, his stats weren't, you know, kind of glaringly great. Right. But exactly. because he's on the best team and he's the quarterback for the best team, he was considered the front runner, but now that they lost. Okay. They're still the top seed in the NFC. But in my opinion, there are two quarterbacks in the NFC, primarily in the NFC, that I think have better stats than them and are on good teams. And one is the one that just killed them last week was Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy right now, I think, is the front runner to be the MVP as long as he stays healthy. So I think he's number one, the front runner. And I think the second person is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott for the for the uh, the Cowboys. He has the most touchdowns right now in the NFL. He has 26 touchdowns compared to Brock Purdy's 23. And then you compare that with Jalen Hurts, who has 19. So, you know, it's just from a statistical standpoint, Dak has better stats than everybody as far as touchdowns to, to, uh, to, to interceptions ratio. Brock Purdy actually probably has the best, but Dak is right there. So actually, no, uh, Dak is number one, and then Brock Purdy is number two from that ratio standpoint. So no, those are the top two guys, and then I'd say Jalen Hurts would probably be number three. But a guy that nobody's talked about, and none of these lists that I've seen are even talking about, C.J. Stroud. I mean, C.J. Stroud has been playing really, really freaking good, and his team is potentially playoff bound, and he's got the best stats from a quarterback standpoint, including yards, you know, passing yards, you know, uh, touchdowns per interception. I mean, his are right up there with these guys. C.J. Stroud, I think, would probably be on the outside but I think he should be included in this top six, seven. Uh, num- uh, if he doesn't get that, then he'll get rookie of the year for sure. So those yeah, are yeah, yeah. And then two, he's a lot for rookie for sure. And then Tua Tagovailoa, I think, is another guy that I think is in that in the running. But I don't think he's in that same uh, uh, stratosphere as Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, and then probably Jalen Hurts number three. So those are my top three, with Tua being number four uh, right now. Uh, you know, I can't argue that. I, I think Purdy's going to get a lot of negative uh, activity, a lot of hate, because you know people just love the the to 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 sit there and say, well, he's in the system. They're great. They're this really, really. And then tell me why the Jets suck. You know, you just can't throw a quarterback in there and expect that to happen. People are the worst fat slobs on their couch. <laughs> who 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 huff and puff after they eat a big meal and head to the shitter think they know what they're talking about and some of them do but 
my point being is put yourself in their shoes. Understand what they go through, the pounding, the pain. I don't think C.J. Stroud's going to win it, but there's nothing that says he shouldn't be part of the serious conversation. That's what I'm saying. He should be part of the conversation. He's a lead leader in yardage right now, you know. Uh, uh, But if you ask me, the one positive about Brock Purdy, he's the coolest uh, uh, quarterback. When I say coolest, meaning the most level-headed. When he's out there, he has complete command of that offense better than any other quarterback. I think the loss to the Niners by both the Eagles and Cowboys, to me, is a massive, massive negative against Prescott and Hurts. Why? When it came time to show their elitism, when it came time to put that team on their back, that team went on their back and boom, he just fell flat on his belly because they couldn't handle it. Now, that's not saying they're not good quarterbacks, they're not great quarterbacks, but at the end of the day, they had to win those games, to me, to show they have MVP or at least make it close, very, you know, make it a close game, but neither one of them made it close. And in contrast, you look at CJ Stroud playing anybody. Now, granted, even the mediocre teams are very competitive against them, uh, uh, but CJ Stroud's one man, but there's not one game or they're, that they're not in it. And so I don't think he deserves it this year. If you look at his numbers, there's a lot of holes coming in. He's had more interceptions over the last three or five weeks, but I'm being nitpicky. But at the end of the day, most people will become nitpicky with that position. I also think it's a little unfair where the top leaders right now are only quarterbacks. You know, uh, yeah. I don't, I'm like, Tyreek Hill is like Charles Barkley to me. I just don't like him. Trash talking fool, yada, yada, yada. But he belongs in the legitimate MVP conversation, especially if he hits 2,000 yards. Yeah. You know? I don't think Tua deserves it. Uh, he's in the system. If you watch games, I, I watch games every week. I watch all the games or aspects of them, which is why my report takes so long, right? But he's still his people always show those great highlight plays, you know. But then two thirds of the other plays, the receiver is slowing down so he can get under the pass. There's still issues. The timing is there. Tua's arm strength is not. So I truly believe Tua is slightly holding this team back from achieving their elite level. Now, that said, I don't know if there's another quarterback that can go into Miami right now and do what Tua's doing. So they can improve that position, but right now Tua's probably the best they got. Uh, 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 You know, Christian McCaffrey, I don't think deserves being in in a serious discussion with the top players. Uh, Miles Garrett, I don't know. I haven't quite investigated his stats, but he's been hurt now for a couple weeks and his numbers have slowed down. So that's going to kill him. And Micah yeah. Parsons, uh, 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 he has no respect for others. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, you're having a great year. You're not having this elite year. You know, stay in your own lane. Don't worry about the quarterbacks. You know, and, and your two cents on them. Because when you played against Brock Purdy, your ass got destroyed. You know, maybe look at it from that perspective. You know, so uh, 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 I agree with you. We're gonna keep adding to this list, not necessarily in players, but in depth and data, and update you on what they've done. But for Jalen Hurts. And Dak Prescott, I think this week's game against each other has great implications more for Prescott because Prescott's the one that the last 10 days has been getting major hype in that he's the MVP right now. He, he's a top player right now. So I, But I do think this game will affect their, their MVP standings. Your take before we end it out. No, I agree. I agree with everything you said. Okay, I lied. Uh, do you think Tyreek Hill needs to be part of the conversation? I, I think, I think, 
in general, I think the MVP voting committee should always have somebody that's not a quarterback included in this, <laughs> in, 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 the, in the conversation. I don't think it's just so you, be a quarterback. They should just call the the the, the MQB or MQP, most MVP, MVQ, whatever you call it, most valuable quarterback, right? Instead of MVP. Right. So right. yeah, I think they should always have somebody that's not a quarterback included in the conversation. No, they, they have various categories. Like Stroud will get the rookie. Uh, I don't know who'll get the 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 the, the comeback player. Uh, I think that should only be for players who missed the previous season, but they're talking to this year because the concussions from last year. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it's not a bad call. It's not a bad call. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And yeah. there you have it, my friends. Eddie wins another bet. <laughs> I, I'm going to win them all the time, man. <laughs> and Eddie, a great show. Uh, I enjoy it as always. We talked a lot of information. We hope we entertain the fans with Shohei, with the MVP talk. And, and, and we had no choice but to talk how dominant the Niners are. And that's what I was going to say, Eddie. I haven't seen that type of dominance statistically since like the 70s or 80s. You know, in, in those eras, because parity has been a big part of the NFL now. And you see it with these 10 and 3, 10, and, or I'm sorry, these three loss, four loss from some of the top tier teams. So it, 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 it's exciting and, and, and shocking in many ways what the Niners are doing. And with that, my friends, do not forget. You can find this podcast and all our other library of points on the board podcast at grumblingsmedia.com. You can also find our political podcast, Fired Up for the conservative people, uh, free for all for libertarians, big questions with Big John for insightful interviews that range from from from, from playmates to uh, uh, authors, philanthropists, you name it. And our newest podcast, Red, White, and Rude, which is becoming my favorite interview only because we can talk about anything, you know, yeah. and, and that's a yeah. lot of fun. You can also find these pod, this podcast and all our others on YouTube, as well as Rumble under the profile handle of Grumblings Media. And you can find us on traditional podcast listening stations, Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. And this is what we call in the marketing world, a call to action. Please share if you listen to this podcast, because that is how we will grow. So for Eddie and myself, thank you for listening to Points on the board. And until next time, my friends, you have a wonderful day, wonderful evening, and wonderful weekend. Goodbye. See you, everybody.